Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. We have so many guests on this show making a difference in our lives, making a difference all around the world with the expertise that they bring. And yet so many of you are reaching out to me saying, you want more. It's not enough, just what we're putting on these podcast episodes for you. And so I am here to extend a very warm welcome to you to our Difference Maker community, where you can join for as little as $5 a month to get all this extra content out the gate. You're going to get 30 plus minisodes of exclusive content not available for the regular podcast listeners and an exclusive minisode every month. And you'll get exclusive voting power to help us pick podcast topics and more. And that's with our changers tier. There's three different main tiers and then an extra uh, larger tier. But whatever tier that you join at, you will be included in this extra content. And I know that many of you are wanting to go a little bit deeper. And so even though it gets a little wild in there sometimes because of how deep we go, I want you to join us there. This extra content is very special. It means a great deal to me to be a part of this community with you. And I would love to just exchange uh, ideas or perspectives that you have around these different episodes. And that's the place where we do it. So please show up to our Difference Maker community. Give us $5 out of your pocket every month. And I think that you'll have a lot of fun in there because we do. And I would love for you to join us. So go to patreon.com slash a world of difference to join us there. Welcome to the A World of Difference podcast. I'm Lori Adams-Brown, and this is a podcast for those who are different and want to make a difference. Hello, everyone. Thank you once again for hanging in with us for this series of our story of everything that went on in our personal experience of working at Echo Church in San Jose, California. And well, not everything, (laughs) but the particular parts of our story that we have been sharing that we feel like are relevant for each of you who have been survivors of abuse at Echo Church uh, for many, many years. And uh, once again, we are dedicating this series of episodes to you, to the wounded ones, the abused ones, the ones who um, have left over many years for various reasons, and many of you who are unable to speak out due to NDAs, the many NDAs that have been given out over the years. And then even in addition to that, just the the fear of what it takes to come forward the way um, there's a very understandable fear around reputation, fear around finances, fear around just, you know, opportunities for career and ministry and church and faith-based spaces to be involved in. And so we understand and we are empathetic toward each of you Uh, We are honored to each of you who have shared your stories with us, the many, many stories of people we have known personally on the staff while we were there, some who were years before us, and then some who were there after us, even very recently. And so this is dedicated to you because we want you to know that you are not alone. You are not crazy. You did experience this and that parts of our story that are just raw and are um, our own words not polished, obviously. Um, I think that's been pretty clear. Um, And and just the raw facts of what we experienced at Echo Church. And so we, once again, we just dedicate this to you. I want to issue, once again, a trigger warning. And the trigger warning is very specific around if you have experienced any type of workplace 
toxic environment, if you have experienced any kind of abuse in a workplace or a church environment, if you've experienced spiritual abuse, emotional abuse, psychological abuse, anything um, verbal abuse of that nature where you've worked for someone who has belittled you and coerced you and intimidated you. And those are hard things to walk through, very traumatic because it's abusive. And so if you've walked through any of that, I just want to say it's okay to not listen at all to this. We have no expectations that anyone would listen in circumstances like that. But if you feel that this would be helpful to you in any way in your journey to understand something you've walked through or something you've watched someone walk through, which can also be very hard to experience, then we offer this to you. But feel free to take it in chunks, small chunks. Feel free to only do it when you're doing something that makes your body feel safe and comfortable and um, where you just feel like you have the space to do it. I know many of you have been listening in chunks because it's, it's hard. It's hard to listen to this. This is, once again, as I've said before, a story no one ever wants to have to tell. And as you know, we have not told it publicly in this way for over a year and a half since we were um, ushered out of the church and shunned and all the things that have happened. And, um, and many of you listening right now, um, are either still involved in echo church or have recently left and are trying to make sense of what has happened. And we just, our, our hearts go out to you. It's hard. Obviously we are still in process with some of this, even with lots and lots of therapy and relationships and a lot of healing that we've been very privileged and blessed to experience. But even so, Um, many of you are still in process. And so we're just here with you. We sit in that pain and suffering with you. We lament it with you. It's through sitting through that and being honest about how we got here that we can find another way forward and find the hope that we have and that God offers us to find a new way. So we just want to pick up our story today with where we left off last time. If you'll recall, we were asked to attend on the next Monday where we would have gone to the SLT meeting, the strategic leadership team meeting that we were due to be at and expected to be there. And we didn't show up because we had been asked to be in a meeting that was labeled by Andy and Felipe, who invited us, um, the Get Our Hearts Clean meeting which I don't know what that means, but I feel like it implies that our hearts weren't clean in some way. (laughs) So, But um, it's hard to really put ourselves back in the mode of what that was because it was just our lives were completely upside down. And we did not know where our next paycheck was going to come from, how we were going to provide for our family's insurance. It was still shut down online school for COVID time. A lot of things were not in person still. And so we just had no idea what was happening. And it was very emotionally difficult. As Jason had mentioned before, we were having trouble remembering to eat. And yet we were asked to attend a meeting with Andy Wood, um, Stacy Wood, and then Felipe Santos. And at the, you know, invitation, I did not even want to go because I was like, I need to figure out our next move. We had been told not to come back to any of our meetings and to come back to even to church. And so I was thinking I need to figure out how to get a job and move on. And breathe. And, um, and so I did not end up showing up in person also because I had no 
ability physically to be in the room where I had been so badly berated, belittled, intimidated, um, all the things that were so spiritually and emotionally and verbally and psychologically abusive in that December 2020 meeting in that same office with those two same men. So I have never been in that room since and I hope I never have any reason to be. But um, I did not show up except for on Zoom. And Jason went in person. I think he mentioned how hard that was to even get in the door. So that was the emotional and physical state we were in. Spiritually, we were doing incredibly well and in ways I cannot really explain, but we were, we just were. And, um, but it was physically and emotionally very exhausting. So Jason showed up in person. I was online. So I'll let Jason explain his experience of walking into that meeting. So I was sitting in the, um, in the office, there's a chair right outside of Andy's office and there was Monica sitting there, um, and it's clear they've asked her to put on headphones, so I guess, because they were afraid that she could overhear the conversation. Um, and I'm sitting in the chair waiting for the meeting to start. Andy walks by me, doesn't even look at me, but I can just see his whole body tense. And he was obviously extremely angry uh, before I ever walk into the room. And again, if you'll remember from the last time, I remember just saying to the Lord, you've got to help me. I'm, I'm going to take the step to walk into that room, but if Holy Spirit, if you don't show up, this is, this is not going to go well. So I just took that first step. And I would say that very clearly the Holy Spirit, um, showed up in a powerful way for, for me in terms of giving strength. It didn't take away how making it easier, any of that, but in terms of being able to think clearly in terms of being able to, um, process things, um, and not overreact that sort of stuff. Um, but we, uh, again, I'm sitting there on the couch, uh, Felipe is in a chair to my left, uh, Andy and Stacy are sitting, uh, in chairs to my right and Lori's up on the TV on the screen. And, um, I can't remember the order of this, but I, I know in the beginning I told them, I said, Hey, look, I just want to make some things clear before we start that, um, you know, Lori uh, is coming on Zoom so that at any point, if she feels uncomfortable and feels like she needs to leave, she can sign off. And um, so she's going to be doing that when she and has full freedom to do that. And I said, you know, and honestly, even though I'm here in person, if I feel like I need to get up and leave, I, I will do that as well. Um, I said, I want to make it very clear, uh, Andy and Felipe, that neither one of you will have control over Lori or myself ever again. So I was trying to set the stage, not be a jerk or anything, but part of when you're in that spiritual abuse mode and you've been like manipulated, bullied and gaslit and this whole thing, I wanted to make it really clear. Like, like this is like, we are coming to you. We don't have to, again, in the, in the background, I keep thinking like, why in the world did we even go? Like we were trying so hard <laughs> to have integrity and be above reproach and do everything we possibly could. Even, I remember in my mind, even thinking we've got to do this because we gave this report to the board and I want them to show that we're willing to come to the table with them even now after what we've experienced. And so I want to do everything I think that we can to help them see like that we actually legitimately care for these guys, care for the church. Um, and so started off with that statement. I think, for, I think they started with prayer. Um, and then Andy started with uh, how he wanted to, um, but the reason we were coming together was that we had expressed grievances um, the week before 
uh, and that, you know, because of Matthew 17, um, you know, where you come before the altar and, um, you know, you know, someone's had a grievance against you. Like he's using this whole passage as if like, oh, it's just, it's such, even that spiritual abuse. I don't know if you're aware of that, but like where you're trying to use a biblical passage to manipulate someone is not healthy, especially when someone has come to you with concerns as big as like, we think that you have been abusive. Um, so one of the things that we've done is actually, you know, because once we knew they recorded us and stuff, like we've tried to be careful and really put notes down and stuff like that, because we knew after that, we need, we are, we don't know how our minds are going to be and how fresh it's going to be. So we've made notes and things like that. So there's things about this meeting that we, uh, remember more freshly in some ways because we took notes, even though it was still one of those very traumatic sort of experiences. Um, but it was in the moment in the meeting, I didn't know this at the time, but now looking back and seeing the comments that were made that, that this whole meeting had a clear strategy from Andy and Felipe. It was clear that they were, um, again, if it's a getting our hearts clean meeting, why is it being recorded? If it's a meeting about us as a group, really, and it's about a Matthew 17, then why is it being recorded? The whole point of it being recorded is because they're wanting to get us to say something in the in the state that we're in on on camera um, or, to, or to say things that will get us to react where they can see that we're irrational and angry and just really emotional so that I think they were trying, not I think, I know they were trying to do these types of strategies. And it was really clear looking back. And I wish I'd known it going in. One thing I would say, if, uh, if you're ever in a situation like this, and I hope none of you ever are, but if someone says, hey, can we record this meeting? You at that point should have two choice, two, there should be two responses. Either no, you may not record me, or you, if you're able to, you have recording as well. Never let someone else. But again, I was in this frame of mind where we're just like thinking, I want to give them everything. I don't, isn't that so silly? Like I wanted to give them everything to where it's like, we're not asking for anything. You've got it all. You've got all the power. I'm coming to you because we are concerned for you and for the church. And so didn't, I never thought about protecting myself, right? Um, so anyway, when that Matthew 17 thing, and it's just, again, you look back on it and it's just like, oh my goodness. Um, trying to remember the next thing, but pretty early on, oh, I think he said, what, in what ways, uh, are you saying that we were abusive? And I don't know if you remember that part because I, I didn't start, you started, and I don't know how much you remember about that of some things that some examples you gave and that sort of stuff so yeah even though i was on the video i i think we mentioned in the last episode maybe that i didn't feel comfortable turning my video on i just didn't feel comfortable being seen um and so i was just you know speaking with my voice but i answered this question right away and um and i think another thing to point out i don't remember if we mentioned it in the last episode was that as the as the record as the meeting was beginning, Felipe asked, "Is it okay if we record this?" And that was only the second time he'd ever asked me that in the entire time I worked there. Is it okay if we record this? The first time was the we shared on the last 
episode about the gentleman's agreement meeting where um, Felipe was super chill and was trying to give us a new version of the NDA to sign, which we ended up not signing. And that was the a Zoom where he said, can we record this? I want to send it to you. It's for you, for you to look over. So if you have any questions, it's all for you. And he had never sent that meeting to us and to this day has never sent the recording. And then this meeting started off with him saying, is it okay if we record this meeting? To which I said, oh, okay. So like the last meeting where you said you would record it and send it to us, but you haven't sent it to us. And he said, I never said that, which was, uh, we both heard it. <laughs> and it's still never, neither of these meetings have been sent to us, but we did because we realized they hadn't sent the previous one, made sure we had notes on this meeting for that very reason. So yeah, in answer to his question, Andy asked of what he had, you know, done or whatever. I, um, you know, I mentioned how physically and emotionally we were pretty exhausted, but spiritually we were doing very well. And I would say one of the things that I look back on about this meeting, especially when I look at my notes of what we had said, we were very lucid and very clear and very thought we hadn't strategized at all because <laughs> we hadn't had time, but the words that we ended up sharing, which we ended up writing down, um, were very, I, I think just very lucid and very clear. We were trying so hard to give a case as to what could change. We really hoped that these two men that we cared for very dearly would change and that this church could be healthy and the staff could be healthy. Um, so in answer to his question, what had he done? I, I just started off by saying it's been a really a slow burn of things and that really there's a culture of silence on the staff at Echo Church. And um, we weren't free to say things the way we ourselves would say them. We would constantly have to memorize the way Andy would say it and it would be a script of how we could say it. And it was always get our language right or this is how we say it, echo. So that's what I meant by a culture of silence. Um, and then, you know, July had been in July of that 2020 had been the first time I had ever questioned any significant thing. And it was in the SLT meeting, right? And so that had been almost a year of being on staff and was the first time I'd really questioned anything. And, you know, I didn't do it disrespectfully. It was just engaging with this new idea that had been brought to the SLT. But it was clear from that his anger and then the follow-up meetings I mentioned um, that, you know, that was not okay to do. It was, it was a very clear message. You do not question Andy. And, and so then I had asked him in those meetings and I'm telling him this now, right? When I asked you, when can I challenge you? And to this day, you've never answered it. It was, I mean, at least say, yes, you can, or no, you can't, or here's how you can. But that was, he just never answered the question. So that was, you know, that was a clear response of part of the culture of silence too. And then I mentioned how in the December meeting previous to that, they had, you know, ganged up on me, the two of these men in the room, and they had intimidated me, coerced me, silenced me, and I couldn't talk without them saying things like, you have a tone. And I was trying so hard to not have a tone. It's okay if I did, because that's fine to have, but it was, it was told to me in such a way as to silence me, since I couldn't according to them, basically speak without a tone in ways that men would listen. I felt like it wasn't okay for me to speak at all. Um, and, you know, I said the inability to question ultimately on the staff is itself an abusive culture of the staff. And, you know, I was in 45 years, had never had anything close to an out-of-body experience, but I had had one of those in that office with those two men because I felt as though I had had a sneak attack meeting, which felt like I was on trial. 
it was an ambush, a surprise to me. And people had, witnesses had been interrogated. And so it was not only unprofessional, but it should never happen in a church from someone who calls themselves a pastor. And then I just mentioned how the unchecked power was another aspect of the abusive culture, a board who had been handpicked and trained to always agree and to be basically yes men and circle the wagons. And, um, you know, there's no denominational backing. We were able to go to at this point because it's an interdenominational church. And so there was no authority or accountability for Andy at all, not, not his board, not a denomination, and that no one was holding him accountable. And, um, and then the fact that being someone questioning is seen as disloyal is also an abusive culture. So I mentioned that. And then I just mentioned the general power by fear that's felt by many on the staff. Um, and then just having a different point of view, you know, I had watched Darren, I mentioned, um, have a different point of view from Andy and that resulted in a very stormy relationship between the two of them on the DLT. And then I mentioned how many, strong leaders had come to Echo Church. And my hope was that they would be able to lead. But one by one, I was seeing them not be able to lead and have to leave. And I would love, I mentioned that I would love to see them lead, like fully lead without having to filter what they had to say every time to say it in a way that Andy would say it or do it, um, but that they could just lead with their own skills and their own personalities and their own voice. And then I mentioned how Echo is a diverse culture, but not inclusive. And the inner circle itself is very exclusive and that there was a lack of transparency. So decisions would be made, but no explanation given. And you weren't really allowed to ask why and how, you know, once again, the board, but also the DLT would present decisions as unanimous. And this is not a company, it's a church. And the diversity of opinion was not, was not allowed. And so, yeah, that was just all my explanation. And that first question about what, how this, abusive was spiritually, how the system was spiritually abusive and how basically it was only Andy who could ultimately change it. And I was hoping that he would. Yeah, I, it was interesting as Lori was talking right then, I was just remembering several times when Lori would start talking about something and try to answer the question. Um, and you know, Andy would look at me and be like, can I, can I say something? (laughs) I'm just like, dude, you are not listening. Like, I, I, it happened more than once. I'm like, this is the whole problem. Like, you ask a question, she's answering it, and you're trying to figure out your next response as opposed to really trying to listen. Um, and I felt coerced. I think at one point. Yeah, at one point he he was like, "Well, you said that I was angry. Can you can you explain to me how you knew that I was angry?" And Lori was just like. Yeah, no, I'm feeling like you're trying to coerce me. We're not going to we're not going to go there. Which is it's so silly because anybody around him knew he was angry. Like his you have to, your body tenses up, your eyes harden, your chin hardens. Like it's clear you're angry, your voice tenses, like all that kind of stuff. It's just like nobody questions that you were angry if they were there. Um uh, so then he got, and they asked, he asked her again about like how, how she felt silence. Oh, a big one was he's, he said, after we shared some stuff, one common thing that that was a, I think was one of their strategies was to paint us as emotional and having lots of feelings. And so he said, he said exact words, I'm hearing a lot of 
I'm feeling language. And he's like, I mean, and I'm like, he goes, you know, and I, I am sorry how that made you feel. (laughs) I was like, uh, we didn't use feeling at all. We said I was coerced, you know, I was silenced. Like that sort of stuff was the language we were using and what we were explaining. And it wasn't just, you know, I feel this way. I feel that way anyway. But I could tell that was a strategy that went throughout the entire meeting. There were several key things that kept coming back. And this comments about emotions and feelings obviously was part of their strategy. And I think they wanted, they tried to say things to us that would get us triggered so that we might show anger or emotion or cry or something like that. Um, which we never did and weren't using feeling language. And so it didn't go along with their strategy. Another thing I forgot to leave out, you know, when I first saw sitting in the, uh, in the chair before coming in and Andy walking by, wouldn't look at me. It was clear he was angry. Um, and I know he was angry because he's tense. His face is hard. I mean, you just see it on him. You can tell he's angry, but man, when that video started, he is captain calm, like in his chair, legs crossed, pastoral I just you know in this soft voice and it was all such a such a ploy on the because he was being videoed and just feeling silly on our part that we allowed him to video it because then it changed the whole tone they changed the whole uh, purpose of that particular meeting because it really was just all about laying a trap for us to be caught in saying something that they could use against us so one of the things one of the other things they did which is an absolute 110% lie. There's not 110%. I do realize that, but it feels this way. Um, I use a feeling word. I do realize that. I said it feels this way. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I said, oh, he, he they, uh, they said, uh, I think it was Andy that first said it. He said, you know, Jason, um, you know, your expectation of like thinking that you need a year's salary uh, a year severance. Like, I just don't think that's possible. And I said, wait, wait, what, what are you talking about? So, well, Felipe said that you used, you asked for a year's and they brought this year severance thing up several times, even after I said, what? I said, I never asked for a year severance. Like it was never in my mind, even the back of my mind. I never thought, Hey, I hope I get a year severance or I should ask for a year severance. Any documentation that's out there on the 16 page document that I sent, um, I did ask for six months severance to help with our family and the transition. That was the third thing I'd ask. So I do remember, uh, I didn't share this in the last episode that I forgot adding this one detail on that 16 page document we sent. I talked about the two requests that we had about, uh, counseling for them and outside organization to come to an investigation. And those are the two things that I really sensed the Holy spirit tell me to ask for. And a third one I added, which was just me adding it because of my own fear and concern, I did request six months severance. But later after this meeting, I um, actually emailed them and said, I need to take that off because that wasn't something the Holy Spirit asked me to do. And I feel like that's going to be one of the narratives is that this is all about money and that just complicates this and doesn't help us get to good stuff. So let's just take out. You took it out after the board meeting? Uh, No, before the board meeting, I sent an email saying, hey, I don't want that on the document. That's not one of our requests anymore. Um, But anyway, so... The only documentation they have is the six months ask. And so, but they're trying to, and I don't know if they were trying to get me angry so they could see me like get emotional by saying a lie like that to see I went. But I do real, I do, I did notice when they brought it up several times. Um, one of Andy and Felipe's strategies that I noticed was if you, if you make a comment like when I said, Hey, I think that meeting was abusive, you know, um, Felipe would ratchet up the language to, Oh, if you think we abused your wife, 
right? It goes from, I feel like that was an abusive meeting, which I mean, logically you can play it out that way, but it's definitely a much more intense, much more a major thing. And so in this thing, he's like, Andy kept being up, you know, you're calling me an abuser. And, um, and so one of the things they ratcheted up when I'm saying, I never said that. So then Andy goes, so you're just saying Felipe made it up. And so I feel like, well, I have to either call him a liar then or back away. But I'm like, yeah, if you're, I mean, I don't think I said this, but because at the time I was like so shocked, I really was shocked that they were trying to say this because later this was one of those lies that they told a lot of people. And some people told other people, other people on staff. I had some, several people come to me and go, did you really ask for a year's severance? I was like, no. And even one person before they even, even said it, I said, you know, one of the lies they're saying is that we asked for a year severance. And he was like, oh gosh, yeah, Andy told me that, that you asked for a year severance. So even though I clarified to them that I never asked that, never thought of that, that was one of their strategies was to make sure um, uh, that this, that people would think that this was because we really wanted money and needed that or whatever. Um, another part of that was, you know, Andy even asked the question there, which I noted, he said, oh, so you don't have any proof? That that's that you didn't ask for your severance, so it's just your word against Felipe's. I was like, "What? I didn't record." So it was just I, I felt again. I don't know. I don't know. If that's gaslighting. I don't know if that's. But anyway, it's this whole weird feeling. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I know what I did and didn't say it. I never thought that. So uh, I don't know if he was trying to fish to see if I had evidence that it, it didn't say that. Um, but it was clear this was one of their strategies to do that around the year severance. Um, you know, and one of the things that. I could tell shook them was when I told them, I said, guys, I don't, I, I, and honestly, at that point, I said, honestly, I don't expect that we'll ever get a dime from echo. And I'm honestly okay with that. Like that's cause I'm not going to sign this. And so it, it, this is some, cause at one point he even tried to scare us. I, figured, I think I figured about that at the very beginning of the meeting. It was clear he was trying to scare us because mm-hmm. I think he still assumed this was what we were expecting more money. And that was a strategy throughout. He dangled things around money several times in this meeting. But in the beginning, he said, you know, look, I don't have any control now over whether you get uh, further employment or um, get any other severance. That's in the board's hands now. There's nothing I can do. And I was like, OK, like I don't really expect to get anything at this point anyway, which I could tell shocked both of them that we were like, I don't really you know, that's okay. I don't, I don't expect any severance at this point. Yeah. I think the thing I remember the most about the meeting is we were giving factual instances. We were telling about circumstances, um, systematic patterns we observed and painful things, you know, like when I said, I had an out-of-body experience and I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning these things, not in a feeling way, but just a very factual way. And not only did there, I mean, these are two pastors. We have to keep reminding ourselves. These are two pastors. And then also Stacy Wood, who was a teaching pastor, who pretty much stayed silent the whole time. They had notebooks and pens. And so just the optics of it was very much like we're going in. I don't know if you're watching the show, The Dropout, but we're watching it. And of all the shows out there, that's the one that's most like Echo that we've watched about Elizabeth Holmes and the Theranos scandal here in Silicon Valley. So very Silicon Valley, but not good, you know? So even she got put on trial because what she was doing was illegal and she was causing people to, you know, commit suicide. And it was very abusive to her staff. Um, but that, that show has reminded us most of Echo of all the shows we've seen um, because of the way 
things get handled. So like there's a part in that show where there's a reporter um, about to write a story and the the lawyers and the, the people come in with their notebooks and their pens and they're writing down. And that's how this meeting felt. It was called Get Our Hearts Clean. Um, but it was very corporate feeling. It was like, it was like not safe. It was abusive in itself. It was not a relational meeting. It was not pastoral. It was very strategized, but we didn't know. Um, and they were sitting there the whole time with notebooks and pens when we were talking about not, not even really talking about feeling things, but saying, I mean, we're at the state, we're going to live under a bridge. Maybe we don't have money for our family. We don't have salary. We don't have insurance in a few days. And it was basically all about Andy. It was, you know, I'm saying things like I mentioned before, what I'm, what I said about how it had been abusive and listed all these things out. And his response, instead of good reflective listening, like people who have not only just, you know, good people skills, but who are being pastoral and no pastoral care, you would want to reflect back something of that person and what they said, especially if it was that difficult, like, wow, well, what I hear you saying is you had an autobiotic, anything would have passed, right? Even if he's not being empathetic, but it was not only not at all acknowledging anything I had just said in answer to the question he asked, but instead it was, okay, so in July when it's like he went on to his own agenda, like he always, you could tell he had memorized or written down points he wanted to talk about. And no matter what we said, it didn't matter. They weren't interacting with our words at all. It was just their strategy. And I, I just, the notes that I have and remembering very clearly was we would talk about factual things and more than once, like Jason said earlier, they would say, wow, you just have a lot of feelings, so many feelings, which to me is such a gaslighting strategy because it makes you feel crazy. Um, but we, even in the midst of it all, like we still knew that we kind of saw that it was happening and just kept sticking to our facts. And I was really surprised how well we were able to do that in the midst of what was clearly trying to make us feel and look crazy, which if you know anything about like tyrannical systems or tyrants or people who are trying to discredit whistleblowers, one of the number one tactics that's used is to discredit that whistleblower by making them look crazy, unhealthy, or somebody that shouldn't be listened to. And so that was that was a clear strategy that kept coming up. And and like Jason said, the the fake apology that he did at one point, well, I'm sorry about how you felt, which isn't a real apology at all. And, um, yeah, so I just remember it being really hard. So I, um, after a period of time, I just, I, I think it, there were different points where they would try to go on a rabbit trail and it was like, we don't work for them anymore. We're doing this meeting as a courtesy and trying to just be above reproach. But honestly, it's like, I don't owe them anything. And really this has taken an hour plus out of my day that I could be looking for another job and trying to feed my kids, you know? And, um, but it was just all about Andy where he would be like, do you know how hard it is to be called an abuser and how this is so awful for him? And it was almost cathartic for him. It, Jason's trying to reflect back what Andy's saying because Andy's showing some emotion. He's showing how hard it is to have been called an abuser, which we never did. We just said that meeting was abusive, right? And this was abusive and the system's abusive, but we never said you are an abuser. But like Jason said, he would ratchet it up. And then when Jason's like, yeah, I can imagine how hard that is because Jason has skills of how to listen and reflect back what people are saying. And Andy just felt like it was so cathartic to hear Jason say like, like yeah, it is so hard. And it was all about his, him. When we are the ones 
like kicked to the curb, lost our faith community, lost most of our friends in this scenario. And it's still about him. And there was just no pastoral care, no pastoring, no shepherding, no caring at all. And, um, and really it, it was all centering around him and his strategy. So, so that's the main thing I remember about that meeting, why it was just another additionally abusive meeting that we went through. So yeah, a few things here for the end of the meeting, unless you remember something else. Um, you know, one had to do with, uh, I can't, I, I can't, I was trying to make notes about what Andy exactly said about concerns that we were going to go public or we're going to sue or that sort of stuff. Um, he said, honestly, he said, Jason, if you make this, these claims and this false information and slander us, it's bad for you. And this is going to look bad on you. And then I said to him, I said, look, man, like I, you know, when, when we first Felipe was trying to hand us the NDA and explain it to us, you know, when we said the question, when we, I asked him, I said, so if we sign this, I mean, we can't tell other people. And he responded with, well, uh, we could sue you, but we don't sue. So you could still sign it. As soon as I started reminding them of that saying, I said, and Felipe said, sue, because I didn't say sue, <laughs> which there was a lot of these, like throughout the entire meeting. I didn't say that this, I don't, I don't recollect that. I don't remember that. Um, but Lori and I both heard him say that. And it's the entire reason we didn't, couldn't sign it was because of the things that he said. Um, and then he, I remember him anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and I told him, I said, in that meeting, I told Felipe, I said, look, man, like you're saying this is to protect us. But if you feel like if we go to other churches and are claiming abuse at other churches, I said, I'm happy for you to share with them because if we're claiming abuse at every church, then we shouldn't be in ministry. So I don't, if you feel like you want to share the things that we're saying, I'm fine with that um, because we're trying to do what we think is right. And so it could tell it made them feel really uncomfortable. Um, and that's when uh, Andy went in kind of a long uh, conversation. Oh, let me add one more point before I go into that. Uh, I think this was actually before the Sue thing, but it had to do with COVID. Um, I was trying to give examples of being silenced or coerced or not being listened to and that sort of stuff. Um, and I was trying to give examples that I didn't use in the 16 page document because Andy claimed that he hadn't read it, which I still think there's no way he hadn't read it. But just in case in this meeting, I was trying to bring up stuff that um, in my back of my mind, I was like, you're strategizing in the back of your mind, trying to figure out, do I say the stuff that's in the 16 page document? The board's looking at it. Is he going to then be able to like find ways to lie about that too? Like, so I'm coming up with stuff. Um, on the fly, like this is what I remember of other examples we didn't put in the document. So one of them was um, around COVID. I said, you know, you did. It never mattered what anybody else felt or thought about COVID. If people were uncomfortable with it, it didn't matter um, how people felt that they had to come and do this or had to come and do that. There was never a chance to talk about um, how we felt about it or like our concerns or any of those sorts of things. Um, and in fact, there was one uh, call that they did to everybody. And it was one of those where we had to cancel because we, we couldn't do an outside service. Um, but all, ever, all the staff still had to come a large, like 50 plus of us or whatever had to come into the building and do some stuff because when Andy spoke, he, he needed to have people there in front of him when he was speaking. In that call, he says, 
Um, and I don't care, you know, if you have some sort of immune disease, that's fine. Take it up with your supervisor, but you can't just not come because you're uncomfortable in the building. And that was an exact phrase that Lori has said to Darren and to Felipe. And obviously they had said to him, which then Andy feigns that, oh, I don't remember saying that. Do you have a recording of that? Do you have that written down anywhere? Like trying to figure out what documentation we have. And it was clear and it was just like moving on. It's like, fine. Any, any point we bring up, they're going to deny that they ever said it. Which both of us were sitting there at the same time, heard the exact same thing. So again, um, it's always helpful when there's two of you and not just one, because I would have thought I was crazy. Like maybe I did misunderstand if I'd been there by myself thinking maybe it was wrong. Um, so then the next one was he kept talking about this word abuse. And he was like, you know, look, man, if you left here and you're saying things like, oh, we're just not collaborative enough. We're, we just, you know, our, the strategy we appreciate is different. And that's what's happening with Darren. Like he wants to go a different way and we really wanted to keep him and all that sort of stuff. But he didn't, you know, he, he wants to try a different way, a different strategy and all that sort of stuff. Like if you were talking about that, like you didn't like some of the ways we did things, the not being collaborative and not um, the, the strategy was not how you want to do it. Like that'd be fine. But now you bring in this word abuse. And I was like, yeah, I get it, man. I mean, the word abuse is like a big word. Um, you know, we're not talking about, you know, a physical or sexual abuse. We're talking about these hard things to put into words where it's abuse of power and spiritual abuse and those types of things. So I get it. It's a big word. And you could tell there was like this relief, that thing. I think that's what Laura was talking about earlier, but he was like, he's like, yeah, man, you're calling me an abuser. Um, he said, so if you could just, he said something along the line. So if you could just take the word abuse out of this, it could be the same way like with Darren, where we can su- we want to be able to support you in your next ministry. And I was like, Andy, like if if you think <laughs> if you think that we're sharing some false narrative that we're lying, or either lying or we're like super like emotionally jacked up and shouldn't be in ministry. If we're lying, we shouldn't be in ministry. And if we're, you know, emotionally jacked up. We shouldn't be in ministry. So I, I was like, I think that ship sailed, dude. I don't think like, you know, so and what I, I honestly, what I think he was trying to do was trying to trick me into taking the abuse word out of this. And then they probably would have given us not, barely anything for our ministry. Like what kind of relationship would they give after we've done this? There's no way. It was a total trap that he was trying to lay uh, for us. Um, and then the last one, uh, this may be the funniest one of all. <laughs> Now it's funny. At the time, I, I you know, was blown away. Um, but Felipe, at the end of the meeting, you know, we're closing out. And I had been like asking to close. I should have gotten up and walked out way sooner. But again, I just kept staying. I remember saying several times, guys, I, they kept trying to get me to say something on record on several different things. And, and I, you know, thankfully was just like, well, I'd have to talk to Lori about that because she'd already said she was off, um, offline. Uh, she closed off and, and all that kind of stuff and wasn't in, engaging in the meeting anymore. Um, and so, uh, I would be like, well, I have to ask Lori about that. I can't, I'm not sure. So I wouldn't be caught on recording saying something cause I really wasn't thinking clearly at the point I kept telling them guys, I don't know. I wouldn't trust anything I would say at this point. At this point now I'm, I'm mentally exhausted. Right. Um, but they didn't care. They just kept pushing. Oh, before the flipway thing, one other thing I wanted to share was, um, I'm still thinking about my job, which is ridiculous at this point, but I was supposed to take a truck down to another visiting missionary in San Diego that was supposedly a friend of Andy's. And they were there because of some, uh, they're giving birth and they're trying to get back overseas. And so I just said, Hey guys, I'm not gonna be able to take this truck. I just want to make sure he doesn't get left in the lurch and gets that truck. 
Andy, after I said that, like just ignores it and shifts on to other stuff where he's still sticking to his strategy. And so at the, near the end, they were like, is there anything else we need to bring up? And I said, again, guys, back to what I said before, I was like, I really want to make sure that truck gets down to them. So they're not putting the lurch because of what's happening with me. And then they're like, oh, maybe we could ship it. And I'm, my guess is that truck never ended up there because yeah, who knows? But anyway, um, I still look back and think I was still trying to think about my job at the time. Um, so finally, the last thing Felipe says to me is, he says, hey man, can I, can I just give you something, some advice, like some, some marriage advice? And I go, no, no, you can't. And he kind of laughed. He goes, okay, bad example. He said, and then he just goes on to give the advice, even though I hadn't said yes. He says, you really shouldn't use words like always and never. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, this is like the most perfect example of log and spec I've ever heard, like from scripture, right? You know, take the log out of your eyes so you can see the spec. We're sitting here talking about concerns around abuse, and he's trying to give me advice around using words like never and always. How to talk, talk, basically. Yeah, that was a pretty fitting ending to the last time we ever spoke with those two guys. And yeah, it was always trying to tell you how to talk, what to say, what not to say. Even in that, they were trying to get us to say some things. And they weren't even things we would have said. They weren't even our own words. They were trying to put words in our mouths, and we were refusing to do that. Um, you know, the next big thing that happened was we ended up reporting to the board, which is um, is a meeting that I did not want to go to. It was on Zoom. I was in the bedroom. Um Jason is the one that wanted it. We mentioned that whole circumstance before. And so it was just these guys on a Zoom call. They gave us one hour and I wasn't going to show up. But then we Dodo, who'd been a friend, um, an Indonesian friend of ours, and we'd lived in his city and lived in the city where his parents grew up and um, had shared a lot of meals together and, you know, different things. And he was, you know, on the board and leading this conversation, which basically was talking with Jason and I was just kind of in the room, like in another part. And when I heard, um, the meeting start and we did, kept saying is Lori not coming, which I didn't plan on coming. And, and then Jason said, well, no, I don't think so. And they, it was clear that that was, they wanted to talk to me and I still had no hope that this was going to go well. Cause I mean, I think if it was going to go well, I would have already seen signs that it was going to go well. And plus I said, I'd read a church called Tove and I know how these good things go in these kind of toxic systems. Um, and so I basically felt that if I joined, I could be paving the way for the people who would come after me. We had been told that in 12 years, nobody had ever gone to the board. And so basically I, really had this image in my mind, like if I just lay down in the mud, then the next people can just walk on top of me and get across faster to the other side. And maybe my role that day was just to lay down in the mud. And so I know it sounds horrible, but that's exactly how I felt. Turns out other people did go to the board after me. And I I do hope that in some way me just going through this paved the way, but it was the worst, one of the worst re-traumatizing experiences I had when you know it's not going to go well, it still doesn't matter because the fact that it is these are your friends you're looking at. Um, I didn't know everybody, but I knew three of them and they basically just circled the wagons. They are a board that was designed in a way that Mark Driscoll, you know, talked about with, you know, and we know that Andy, um, took Mark Driscoll's advice and brought him in to talk about healthy leadership a couple months after this meeting. And so, um, he had organized his board in a way that they just are yes men and they don't hold him accountable. They, they circle the wagons and they don't know a lot about what's going on 
on the day to day and the staff. And so, cause they all kind of work in business and do other things mostly. And so, um, yeah, so I ended up joining and as soon as I joined, basically the questions were all for me. They didn't ask a single question for Jason. All of it was, um, things like, how do you know Andy was angry? Did he raise his voice as if I was having to prove that he was angry? So I literally got out of that meeting. Jason tried to ask a question at the end. They were like, nope, got to go. So it was just very quick. It was not open-ended. We didn't really get to share much other than the answers to the questions they gave. And it was not a free moment to share with the board. And they basically said, they, you know, we did our little own mini investigation. They didn't say mini investigation. They said, we did our own investigation. And I'm thinking, how many days has it been since you got this document? Just a couple. How, you, how could you have done an investigation? And that's internal. That's not even third party. You're the board. And they said they had asked a couple women on staff how they experienced Andy. And things are fine. He gave me a job I didn't even deserve. And I thought, wow, okay. So basically, that's not a real investigation. And you asked people who are afraid to speak out. And they're ingratiated. And so that was not a real investigation at all. Um, But that's kind of how that went. And honestly, I got out of that meeting and felt like, I had just gotten my insides, put them on the table, and every single board member had stomped on it. And I laid in the bed and couldn't get out for the rest of the day. And that's the only day in my life I've ever done anything like that. I'm not a dramatic person. I'm not overly emotional. I'm not driven by feelings. I'm a strong T on the Myers-Briggs with almost no F. So painting me as a hysterical woman and unhealthy and so emotional and all these feeling words is, is not only very sexist, it's not who I am. And, um, and so that was a really hard day. Some good things happened after that. But um, as we close up here, I'll let Jason express how he felt after that meeting. Yeah, I, you know, went into that meeting still with hope. <laughs> Again, there's a theme here around being naive. And, and Lori, the whole time, I had been the one really pushing, feeling like that Lori was asking us to do this. And she was thinking, there's no point, we shouldn't. And, um, but she was trusting that I was hearing from the Lord and that we were supposed to do this. So in that board meeting, as I watched them ask question after question, that was just painting Lori out to be a disgruntled woman, making it out to be issues that we didn't even talk about in the 16 page document. Um, it was horrible. I mean, it was just, uh, yeah, there's no, it's hard. That's probably the most traumatic, honestly, uh, with all the things that we've shared, um, because you've got three, two close friends, you know, two guys that have been prayer partners with me and that I'd shared a lot of intimate stuff with around just praying for different stuff. And a third guy that Lori knew better than I did, but we was on working on the campus together. And the fourth one, we didn't know very well at all. I had never met before. Um, and I just had had so much hope that they, there would be enough trust level there that, that it would at least lead to an outside investigation and saying, Hey, these guys need counseling. And again, I just keep thinking like, dude, we weren't asking for like justice. We weren't asking for, um, like any kind of retribution or harm to anybody. Like those two things would only come about and we get good things would come out of that. Hope for Echo, hope for Andy, hope for Felipe, and then again would protect a lot of other people from getting harm. And honestly, I would hope that it would lead to them recognizing the harm they've caused people, that they would go and make apologies and reconcile with the many, many people that they've harmed. Like, I can't imagine what this is doing to their souls. Um, 
but I, we, we kind of closed out again. I thought, I thought we were going to be able to say something, but they got done after an hour asking these, what felt like ridiculous questions again, using the, I'm an F so I can use feel stuff. Right. That's okay. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and they didn't let me say anything else. Like it was like, no, we've got to go. And I remember closing out and I just laid on my bed and like literally sobbed for like 30 minutes. I couldn't stop. Um, and what I was feeling was anger. I was so angry. And I was angry with God. I, I was so angry with God. Because I believed that he had really, um, that he was the one that led me to do this. And what I felt like I had done, I was angry at myself as well, because I felt like what I had done was I had, um, after all the stuff that my wife had been through, after all the stuff Lori had been through, that I just made her go through more abuse. I just made her go through this. And she even told me later, it felt like they, that they had just dragged her insides out on a table and then just stomped on them. And I felt so responsible for that at the time, you know, and Lori's really good about like, it's not your fault. You were following what God was asking you to do. And I think, still think we did the right thing. But in the moment, man, how I felt was just anger at God, anger at myself. And thankfully we serve and worship a God that is perfectly able to take uh, the anger that I felt and um, walk me through that and stay with me and was with me even through that as well. But that part was pretty, oh, man, it's so hard to put in words. It was just horrendous. It was horrendous. Um, a, a few things happened between the meeting with Andy, Felipe, and Stacy in this board meeting. Um, and so as always, we're trying to make sure that we add some stories for the Patreon community. Um, so a big one that we're wanting to add, if you're curious about that, um, it's stories of, uh, around our children. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to make it Patreon more of an intimate group than just out there for everybody to hear. Um, but part of it was, uh, their very last time at going to students. Um, Felipe's response when I called them to make sure that we could get permission to take them. And then, um, specifically one of our kids experiences, uh, there at students, and then the other part is how we told our kids and their responses uh, of what was going, uh, what uh, what was happening with us that we were being uh, fired, and then why we were being fired. And so um, we're going to share that, which is going to be pretty intimate and personal. And so if that's something that you really want to, uh, you know, be a part of, you can join the Patreon community. Yeah. Once again, thank you so much for listening to this story. I know many of you, especially the ones of you listening at Echo who've walked through similar situations and some of you even worse stories of abuse with these two men, Andy Wood and Felipe Santos. And you've been in that room and you've had, you've told me your stories and I, um, I just, I'm so sorry because, um, even just telling it again, you kind of relive it a little bit, right? That's how, that's how trauma works. And, um, in the last, you know, week we've really, I mean, I would say most of this experience with us over the last year and a half, when people heard our story, for the most part, people came and were very kind to us. And, um, we'll talk about that kind of in the next episode as we wrap up 
the aftermath, the aftermath of the tsunami, the disaster relief <laughs> phase. Um, and, you know, this is sort of the last wave of the, the abuse, you know, in person with them that was going on. But then the next part is sort of the disaster relief phase. And um, there were a lot of people who helped and um, heard our story, helped us heal from that trauma. And, and we'll talk about that because there's a lot of good. There's so much good that's coming in the next episode that I can't wait for you to hear. It's, it's that way though, sitting in the pain and the suffering and just feeling it and lamenting it. And when we walk through that, that's when we get to the hope. Um, but even in the hope, there's, there's a lot of stuff we were walking through and still are. And so some of you know that, um, you know, our story has been so, um, people have been so encouraged to hear it because it's helped them feel not alone. But I would say only about 1% of our experience and mostly just very recently has been people what we would call the, the, the psychophants. Some people say sycophants, but I prefer the pronunciation psychophants because it does feel a little psycho. <laughs> um, and then, you know, or the flying monkeys that have come and wanted to, it feels sometimes like they're the Gestapo, like secret police who will want to meet people from the inside. And um, you feel like sometimes they're fishing for information to go back to counter the narrative because um, once we got over a thousand signatures, you know, things started to heat up again at Echo Church with Felipe and um, they're having, you know, prayer for us and calling what we're doing evil. Um, I'm not sure how getting people to be released from their NDAs and us asking for that is evil um, or sharing our story is evil, but the narrative is they're returning evil with love. So it's pretty typical what you'll see in these um, toxic church environments. A lot of things that Mark Driscoll would also say if you listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill was you know, whenever a whistleblower comes out, you got to discredit it by saying they're evil, um, spiritual warfare. And so that's been a theme of what we've seen in a lot of other people's stories at Echo as well. It's pretty much the playbook. So when you hear my name associated with evil or Jezebel, which I've been called, that'll be in the next episode, or, um, you know, it, it's, you know, it is a clear strategy. It's a strategy where if you have one, vic- if you have one um, evil person, if you have one enemy that's a clear enemy, then it's easier to rally the troops with the propaganda around that. So it appears that that might be me at the moment. Um, Occasionally, Jason gets looped in there, but I think they really like to blame me as a woman because there's a lot of sexism involved in in it all. It's easier to say an emotional, disgruntled, unhealthy woman. And so... Um, yeah, I just, uh, I want to put that out there because probably some of you have experienced that you're either the woman that's been called that, or you're a husband of a woman that's been called that. Um, or yeah, various versions of that, of those of you listening, I know that some of you even at echo have that story, that particular story. And so I just want to say you're not alone. Once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for empathizing. Um, I hope that this is giving you a reason to say, you know what? This is not how a church is supposed to be. Um, For those of us who have experienced a good church, and Jason and I for most of our life have all around the world, great experiences, very privileged in that way. And um, and the church that we're a part of now, our our micro church, is just beautiful, a beautiful faith community of depth and um, teach us how to follow Jesus and we teach each other and, and the Holy Spirit is with us in a special way. And, and I hope that wherever you're listening, if you don't have that kind of community, that you can at least be encouraged today that that is who God is, a God of love, a God who never abuses, who never wants people to be abused, but who is a refuge and, um, 
and is love and is the opposite of the things that we're describing. And so, yeah, some of that narrative is coming out of Echo Church with some email they put out and there's a website to counter the NDA situation. A lot of saying we're transparent while not being transparent. Once again, we mentioned and saying, come and see us. And I've... Oh, and they also, if you look on there, it says there's a full report, click here. And when you click there, it's not a full report. That's a lie. It's an email from Saddleback <laughs> or a letter. I think it's a letter from Saddleback. So yeah, watch the language. Don't be deceived. There's a lot of strategy involved in it, but the whole point is to not be transparent. And we'll talk a little bit about that in the next episode, how the lack of transparency became clear to others and caused a, a lot of um, you know people to, to walk away. And they've gone on to other places and other churches and they're thriving and um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of good in the next episode. So please tune in for that one. And, um, yeah, if you want to join us on Patreon, as always go to patreon.com slash a world of difference, and you can get exclusive access to the, the episode that we'll post about what Jason mentioned around what it was like to tell our kids, ugh, gut wrenching, hard, not easy, but, um, we've walked through that and we've done it and we've done it as a family and we're strong on the side of it. So, Thank you for all of you who've signed up recently for Patreon. That helps us produce this podcast. It's helped me to kind of do some things recently and additional to that, like subscriptions to help make the production easier. And so I really thank you for contributing to that and um, and for hearing our story. In the meantime, take care of yourselves. Go do something that just makes you feel good and comforted, whether it's a cup of hot chocolate with whipped cream or sitting by a fireplace or floating in a swimming pool or um, just having a nice walk and seeing a sunset. Do something for yourself because this is heavy. It's very heavy. Um, But yeah, for those of you who are concerned, we're doing really well. Like we are not perfect and um, but we're, we're doing well and thank God for our therapist that's treated many people from Echo Church. And all we had to do was go to her and say Echo. And she knew because over the years she's worked with a lot of people and she's wonderful and really helped us heal and is continuing to help us heal in this season. And so if you don't have a therapist and this has brought up things for you, I highly recommend finding one. It's very helpful. Um, if this has brought up things in your life, we just want to, We want to care for you however we can through this podcast. And that's the whole point of it. Once again, dedicated to all the Echo survivors out there who've moved all across the country and some of you in other parts of the world that are listening. We are so sorry for what you went through. And I hope that you feel that you're seen and you're known and you're loved and that this is for you. We'll talk to you guys again next week, everyone. Thanks. we're finishing this episode, if you're thinking, I really wish I could learn more or go a little bit deeper. Well, that's what our Difference Maker community is for. I would love to welcome you in to join the rest of us there. Once again, um, it's only $5 a month to join the price of a latte at your local coffee shop. You can join at our changers tier. Difference Makers is a community that really means so much to me. It's very special because each time I have a guest on the show, I record something um, outside of what we give to just the regular podcast audience where we go a little bit deeper and then I post those video episodes in this community and we can discuss them. But also at the very uh, beginning tier, which is our changers tier of this community, you'll get exclusive voting power and help pick podcast topics that give us you know, more of what we want from your perspective. You'll have access to exclusive um, 
30 plus mini sods that aren't out there for the general public. And you'll get every month an exclusive monthly bonus mini sode. At our Groundbreakers level, which is $10 a month, you can join and get all of that, but also priority access to submit questions to the podcast. And you'll get an additional two exclusive monthly bonus mini sodes. And at our Trailblazers tier, which is $15 a month, the price of three lattes a month, um, you can get all of that plus also three exclusive monthly bonus minisodes um, and a patron shout out. So I would love for you to join us at any of those tiers. Um, it'll help you come into this community, be in the midst of all of us, other difference makers, and we'd love to hear your perspective. I certainly would. It's a place to engage more with me and the audience around what you like, what you're resonating with, and once again, go deeper with each of our guests. So please join us in this membership community. I would love to hear your perspective and love to share this extra content with you. So show up at patreon.com slash a world of difference.